You're listening to the Warrior Priest Podcast. And this is the Warrior Priest Podcast. And I am the Warrior Priest, Donovan Riley. This is the midweek debrief. I think this is number two. Easy to keep track of so far. And today, for the midweek debrief, for just a brief uh, period of time, 25, 35 minutes, I want to talk about fear. And uh, specifically, Sean Fagan, uh, Muay Thai fighter and uh, entrepreneur, uh, teacher, and uh, does retreats all over the place, but currently lives in Thailand with his wife. I'll be definitely getting to um, her meditations, what do you want to say, ruminations at some point too. She's got a lot of of thought-provoking and thought-worthy posts on her Instagram page. But Sean Fagan, the Muay Thai guy, you can find him on YouTube, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Again, similarly, he has very thought-provoking posts usually and gets me thinking. And today in particular, I came across an older post of his entitled, The Only Thing That Scares Me Is a Complete Lack of Fear. The only thing, the only thing that scares me is a complete lack of fear. And this is a topic, a subject that I've been very familiar with and talked about on the podcast before, and something that I had to, I don't know what you want to say, deal with or learn to live with at a certain point in my adulthood. But I had grown up in a household where I was constantly in fear since before I can really even remember experiencing fear. I just always knew that I was afraid, for example, of my dad. And that kind of spilled out into the rest of my life. And because we moved around so much, when I was in elementary and junior high and high school, we never lived anywhere longer than four years. There's also that constant sense of unrest and anxiety, the fear that comes with going to a new school, the fear with figuring out whether or not you're going to be able to fit in with this group. And as I've said before, most of the places that we moved to, when I got to a class, the students that were already there had been together since kindergarten or even preschool. They had known each other for a long time before I ever got there. So I was never, especially in junior high and high school, I was never really accepted into any of the peer groups at school in my grade just because I had not been there for over a decade and not gone through all the experiences that these people had gone through together. And so I was always the outsider which again, just added to my sense of fear. I couldn't really express what was going on in my home or even in, I couldn't really articulate it if I wanted to because I hadn't, I didn't have the, the self-reflection and the language even to express or can converse in any way about what I was going through at home or, or my home life. And so it was just a constant sense of fear that continued to spread. And by the time I got to college, I was just, I was afraid of everything for the most part. Whatever you can imagine, I would figure out some way that it scared me or it just did scare me. I overthink way too much and it's a personality strength and defect simultaneously. And I'm always thinking about 10 or 11 or 12 things at once and I can never just work on one thing at once. It's very difficult for me to, it's easy for me to focus on many things, but it's difficult for me to focus on one thing, at least for a very long time. And so that constant sense of anxiety, that constant sense of fear for me meant I didn't lack fear, but rather there was a lack of anything except fear motivating my thoughts and motivating my speech and motivating my actions to the extent that I started self-medicating in high school at the first opportunity that I was given, uh, alcohol and then pot and then pills, opiates. 
<clears throat> and that's how I dealt with my fear. That's how I dealt with my anxiety is I just medicated myself and medicated the fear out of me. And what I found is that when I drank enough, I was invulnerable, invincible, I was bulletproof. I was the smartest person in the room and nothing could hurt me. And even though for about 10 years from about age 15 to 25, at least one or two people I knew died every year in alcohol-related or drug-related incidents. Um, I always looked at it as, well, that's not going to happen to me. And I never really had to deal with the emotions of losing people to car accidents, shootings, um, suicide, uh, overdose, whatever it might be. I didn't have to deal with the emotions that come from that because I, again, self-medicated myself out of those problems, so to speak. Or at least I medicated myself until my consciousness was submerged and my emotions were blunted. And so there's that aspect too, is that when I quit drinking October 5th of 1998, I all of a sudden now had to deal with stuff that I hadn't dealt with since I was 15 years old, emotions wise. And here I am now, I'm 28, 27 years old. Yeah, 28. <clears throat> and all of a sudden I got to deal with emotions that go all the way back to my teenage years. They've just been sitting there dormant like, you know, water pushing against the dam. It doesn't recede. It's just the pressure builds up until finally the dam bursts. And that's the way it was with my emotions. That's the way it was with my thoughts. And it took me a long time, long time to get out of my own way. 20 years, like I say. Essentially, it took me 20 years to walk into the gym. And in those 20 years, it was AA groups and it was counseling and it was reading and it was studying and it was learning and it was a constant daily hourly, even minute to minute exercise in building up emotional strength and intelligence, physical strength and intelligence, intellectual strength and intelligence, discipline, courage, character, all these intangibles. And yet uh, underlying all of this, what was constantly sabotaging my efforts to improve myself, to stay sober, to be a good husband and then a good father and a good student and, and on and on was fear. Fear of failing my professors, fear of failing my wife, fear of failing my children, fear of failing the people in my AA group. Fear, 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 fear. Constant fear. Until finally, after 20 years, I got sick and tired of it. And I just said, to hell with it. I'm going to go because I'll never be ready to do this. And I went to my first jujitsu class, like 10 o'clock in the morning, a uh, week of Thanksgiving, three over three years ago now. And the reason I, I went on a Tuesday in the week of Thanksgiving is because I looked at the schedule online and realized if I go and it's horrible, I've got an out so that I don't have to go back. It's Thanksgiving break, right? And so I can go once, drop in for the free class, and if I don't like it, I can just walk away and uh, no shame, right? And I've got an out. It's Thanksgiving weekend, so I don't have to go back this week. And one of the scariest things I've ever had to do is to walk through that door at Next Level Combat in Apple Valley at the time, Apple Valley, Minnesota. Because I had spent over 20 years, since I saw UFC 1 or 2, probably both, because we got them on Blockbuster Video, um, or Hollywood Video, I had spent all that time, since 1992, 93, 94, wanting to learn jiu-jitsu, and yet I couldn't get out of my own way long enough to actually go and do it, and I couldn't have afforded it, and I didn't have there's the maturity to accept responsibility for something like that. And so I can regret it now, but that's a waste of time because I did what I, I did at the time and I wouldn't have done it differently. I did what I had to do. 
because of my circumstances. And so it did take me 20 years to walk through that door and I stayed. And so that was it for me though, that the only thing that scared me was the fact that I la- that I didn't, I didn't have a lack of fear. I had a lack of everything else. I had a lack of other emotions that I could kind of turn to, to help me cage that fear or focus that fear into a constructive and productive uh, thing. And so Fagan writes this then, fear isn't bad or something to avoid. Conversely, it's something you want to seek and embrace. Fear is actually a sign that you are doing what is needed to move in the right direction. And he's quoting the 10 time or 10 by rule by Grant Cardone. And that's the thing then is that, as I learned when I first started going to recovery meetings, is that fear isn't bad. We actually assign a moral value to fear. Fear is bad. Rather than it's just an emotion. And sometimes fear of the unknown is fear of something that's actually incredible and wonderful and fantastic. And you're excited that you found it or it's been given to you. And so I was told you know, the fear of what's around the next corner is the fear of the unknown. And our mind tends to create monsters rather than angels. And so we always fear what's around the corner, that thing that we don't know that's lurking around the corner and we assign a moral value to it. It's bad. And that's why we often don't go around that corner. But once you divorce moral value from an emotion, which is uncontrollable anyway, so why are you assigning a value to it? And you experience that fear. All that fear is there to do is as a messenger to tell you there's something unknown around the corner, something you've never encountered before. That's something you've never experienced. And that doesn't mean it's automatically a monster or a demon. It could be a gift or an angel. Again, allegorically or analogically. But the point being is, if you allow fear to determine your actions and allow fear to guide your thoughts, it will always guide you away from opportunities. It will always scare you away from challenges. And then, like I've said before, everything becomes a problem. People become problems. Relationships become problems. Your job becomes a problem. Everything's a problem versus an inconvenience or a challenge. And fear turns everything into a problem. A little bit of fear can turn everything into an inconvenience, something that just annoys you. But it can also, when divorced of that moral value judgment, become a challenge. That, that fear is now a challenge. So fear isn't a bad thing or something to avoid, but it's also, it's a dichotomy. It's also something that you want to, you do want to seek it, embrace it. Because it's a sign that you're doing what's needed to move in the right direction. Because anything that scares you usually indicates you haven't been here before. And so why retread ground that you've already covered? Why recross the river you've already crossed? Why go back to something that you've already accomplished? I was talking uh, with my good friend Spence, who is our senior instructor for our intro to jujitsu class last night. And he's been kind enough to allow me to be his assistant, which is kind of his test dummy, so to speak. Um, that, yeah, the first time that you compete and you win a medal, it's an amazing experience. And I've talked about that before in the first jujitsu debrief. It's an amazing experience. And there's a moment of total joy and elation. And it quickly wears off as reality sets in and you go home and you're just you again. And you go back to the gym the next day and you're just, you're Donovan. I train with you every day. You know, congratulations. You won a, a bronze medal. Awesome. Now let's roll. And that if that medal determines your value, if that medal is a sign or a symbol of your success, what happens when you lose? As I did in the last tournament, 
And the uh, analogy that I also, the metaphor that I also shared with him that I often use is, if your children give you a cup when they're, you know, when they're five years old and it says world's greatest dad, and you ride that cup through everything, and that becomes your meaning and your identity and everything that kind of defines you as a parent, and you always go back to that moment when that five-year-old gave you that cup that says world's greatest dad or something, and then you're 84 years old and you're in hospice, and the nurse asks, do you have any family that you want us to contact, or are there any family coming to see you, and your answer is no. The reason is, is because that cup is like that bronze medal. You let it define you, and rather than go forward and move forward and re- realize that life is change, relationships are constant change, and that we are constantly adapting, constantly learning how to compromise, constantly working and communicating and arguing and debating and, and, and helping each other move forward and become whoever it is that we are. And so if I always looked at that child as if they were always five years old and they saw me through a five-year-old's eyes, then I don't see and I'm not aware of the things that I do as a father that actually destroy love, tear down their, their faith in me, drive them away from me because I'm the world's greatest dad. And then when they come back at me, I just retreat back to that five-year-old in that cup rather than deal with this person in the present tense. This isn't a five-year-old. This is a 17-year-old or a 37-year-old or whatever it might be. And that, yes, when they were five, I was a superhero to them. I was the voice of God to them. I was the world's greatest dad. And I rode that and I depended upon that and I never went anywhere with them. I never walked with them and I never accepted that change is sometimes difficult and hurts and changing for other people is especially difficult and can hurt, especially in relation to people you love, like a spouse or a child. But if you're not open to change, then you're shutting yourself off from fear because fear of the unknown is fear of change. It's fear of that challenge that waits for us around the next corner that we're not aware of. And in, in essence, that's what fear is. It's fear is a consequence or a fruit of, of the realization that you have no control or very little control. You, you lack choice. And like I said, growing up in an abusive household, I didn't have any control over my environment. I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't have a choice of escaping. And then as an adult, I just carry that with me into the world. And of course, I can't, I feel like I can't escape the world and I can't escape what's happening around me and what's coming at me. I don't have any control over it. So I know what I'll do. I'll just shut down. I'll self-medicate and I'll make excuses as to why I'm a victim. And rather than accept that this fear can actually be turned into a positive thing, a constructive thing, something that produces the type of person that you want to become, the things that you see in others can you can also achieve. You want to pursue jujitsu, then you can go pursue jujitsu. You just have to clean up all these other areas of your life first. You need to be financially responsible. You need to be emotionally mature. You need to be able to make a commitment to this task and ride it out, and no matter what comes. And I couldn't do any of those things because I let fear rule over me and motivate me because I recognized at a very, very early age that I didn't have control over my circumstances and I didn't have a lot of choices. And I let that fear overrule then a lot of opportunities and a lot of challenges that would have made me the person that I want to be today. I could have, you know, circumvented that again, coulda, woulda, shoulda. And those are the termites that eat away at the foundation of our life. But, you know, hypothetically, without regret, if I could have, you know, gotten this figured out when I was 25 rather than 45, well, there's 20 years there. But that's not the way it was, like I said, and I don't live with regrets because everything that happened in the past is what has led me to who I am today.
And so without that struggle, without that self-destruction, without what was happening around me, influencing and infecting me and afflicting me, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. And I wouldn't be able to have this conversation. So it's not, again, we can't dismiss one thing and ignore how it, you know, conditions and, and, and defines us today, or at least the person that we are today. So Fagan writes, I've learned to love fear because it's been a major indicator that I'm on the right path. Pushing past fear has significantly impacted my growth as a person, a fighter, and an entrepreneur. One of the reasons I love fighting is because it scares the shit out of me. Every fight I have puts doubt, anxiety, and fear into my mind. But learning how to deal with these types of emotions have allowed me to turn these quote-unquote negative emotions into positive ones. And now whenever I feel doubt or fear, I am able to see. I'm able to see it as a good thing because they challenge me to look inside myself. And that's great. I, I talked about this in the second jujitsu debrief as I allowed my nerves to get the best of me. I allowed my emotions to get the best of me and my perception of events rather than the observable facts of the events. I allowed my perception and what the, the, my opponent symbolized to me or represented to me. And I allowed that to overwhelm me and I lost my nerve. And so I lost my two fights before I even got on the mat because mentally I had already defeated myself. And likewise, then, like Fagan says, the reason that I love fighting and the reason I, that it really scares the ever-loving crap out of me is because every single time I have to fight, there's doubt, there's anxiety, and there's fear that I got to contend with now. Not just the day of the fight, not just in the fight, but leading up to that fight. As soon as I commit to the fight, I have an in-house tournament. I know I'm going to compete in this in-house tournament. All I have to do is sign up for it, but I can't and I won't because as soon as I sign up for it, the fear and the anxiety and the doubt is going to set in. So I wait till the last possible minute because I'm just trying to psych myself out and up at the same time. It's the paradox of my life and the way I think. I can't just sign up for it. Because I know even talking about it, I can feel my heart rate going up. And so, yeah, it scares you because you're going to be confronted with stuff that you like in doses, in little like chewable vitamin tablet doses, doubt, anxiety, and fear, but not like thrown at you all at once. That's kind of aggressive in your face, but that's what happens when you sign up for a fight. But you got to learn how to deal with those types of emotions. You got to figure out how to engage them. You have to figure out how to focus them in a way that helps rather than hinders you. And like he says, rather than assign a negative value judgment to my emotions, I assign a positive one to them. They can be either or. It's a dichotomy. They can be negative and positive all based on your perception. I'm afraid. Okay. Why am I afraid? Let's, let's engage in some introspection here. Let's really dig deep at the, to the root of why I'm afraid. Not just say I'm afraid because you know, that person looks bigger or stronger than me, or, oh, I just saw him compete and he's really fast and technically proficient. Don't make up excuses. Get to the root. The root is you. The root is inside you. It's not what's going on outside of you. It's you and how you've chosen to react to this external stimuli. And the emotions that come with that, even though you can't control those necessarily, you can learn how to stifle them. You can learn how to chain them up and keep them inside the fence line. But if you don't do that, then those emotions bust loose and then doubt and anxiety and fear enter your mind and then they begin to affect the way you speak and the way that you act and engage with the world and other people. And then everything becomes a negative. Everything becomes a problem. Everything and everybody becomes something that you want to avoid because of the anxiety and the fear and the doubt that it stirs up inside you. And you hate being reminded that these are the ruling, the holy trinity of emotions in your, in your life. Rather than just confront them and say, hey, these three are messengers. They're neither good nor bad. How I, how I receive them 
is what makes them good or bad. How I use them or allow them to use me is good or bad. How I exorcise them or let them exercise me is good or bad. But doubt, anxiety, and fear in and of themselves, they're just emotions. And they're neither good nor bad. But rather, you harness that doubt and let it make you curious to learn or to tie up and shore up those areas where you struggle to believe, whatever it is you believe. Same thing with anxiety. You're, you're anxious about the future. You're nervous about what's coming next. Why can't you be present tense? What is it preventing you from enjoying the present or just being in the present? Why are you trying to control outcomes that you have no control over? Why do you think you, you know, why, like I do, I will run through a fight in my head over and over and I'll just run through every scenario I can imagine until finally I have to admit to myself, I don't have any control over my partner's or my opponent's decisions. Therefore, I must be entirely present in the moment and react to whatever it is that they're doing. I can enforce my game plan. I can, I can enforce my will on my opponent, but I cannot predict the choices that they're going to make. I can make an educated guess based on my own training and technique, based on the fact that this person's a blue belt and I'm a blue belt and with the same weight. I can make some assumptions, but every single time I've done that, I've been wrong. And in the moment, all of those melt away because you're sucked into the present moments by the fight and you're only focused on what's happening in that moment. You're not even aware of time. You're just there in that moment. And so is that a negative? Well, if you believe it is, don't compete. <laughs> you know? But if you see it as a challenge, if you see it as, as an area to grow and to learn and to overcome fear, then 100% go and compete in whatever it is that it is that is scaring you away, whether it's a fight, whether it's CrossFit competition, whether it's a golf, you know, competition, bowling tournament, whatever it is that scares you, you know, you have to speak in public or whatever. Figure out what it is that scares you and then ask why. Why does this scare me so much? Where does this come from? What's the root of this fear? And why am I allowing it to determine my decisions? And rather than regret the fact that you've allowed fear to turn you off or turn you away from so many opportunities in the past, which is a complete waste of time, you made the decisions you made and you couldn't have made them any differently at the time. And the whole reason you're asking yourself the why question now is because of those choices. And so don't lament how long it's taking you to get to the question. Rejoice that you got to the question at all because many, many, many people never do. <laughs> and so even that's a gift. And so Fagan wraps up his meditation here with, what is your relationship with fear like? Like I was just talking about. Do you allow it to control you or do you use it to your advantage? Exactly. You're afraid because you lock, you lack control or you've lost control. But then by giving into fear, you've actually given fear control over you. So your fear of losing control, your fear that you have lost control is only exaggerated and exacerbated by giving into fear. In fact, it's magnifying it like times 10. It's fear on steroids versus recognizing that this fear can be used and leveraged to your advantage. Now it's the same in the opposite direction. This is that you're harnessing that fear. It's making you laser focused. It's driving you. It's forcing you to be more disciplined, to take further consideration and be more thoughtful and deliberate about why you're doing what you're doing what motivates you to do that thing and why you're doing it in the first place. And recognize that if I'm afraid of failure, that's not a bad thing. Because that means that I'm going to get up early and it means I'm going to train and it means I'm going to do what's necessary to be successful, whatever that means. And that if it wasn't for my fear of failure or my fear of defeat or my fear of not showing up for my teammates, without that, 
I would be defeated before I ever got there. I wouldn't show up for my teammates and I wouldn't be someone that is really trustworthy even because if you know that fear is what determines a person's actions, how can you trust that person to be there for you when you need them? Because anything that gets them stirred up will make them run away or flee or shut down or not answer the phone anymore. And so it's just a sign fear is. That's all fear is. It's a sign that you're doing something that you haven't done before. It's a sign that there's something around the next corner that you've never encountered before. There's something new there. And that you're probably going in the right direction. I had a friend in the mission field who once said to me, if you're afraid to do something, it's probably because the devil doesn't want you to do it. Because if you're going to wander into sin and unbelief, the devil's not going to stop you. He's not going to try and scare you away from going into sin and unbelief. And so if someone says, hey, you should uh, be a part of the outreach team or you should help volunteer at the clinic or you should do this or that, if it's a good thing, if it serves your neighbor, then why are you afraid? If it improves you, if it makes you a better person in your relationships with other people, why are you allowing fear to drive you away from these opportunities? If you meet somebody and you recognize in this person, this is someone I really want to get to know better. This is someone that I really appreciate and value as a human being. And I just want to get to know them better. Why allow fear to drive you away from that? And so there's different avenues for that. Like I said, for me, it's been the recovery community and therapy and counseling and reading books and listening to lectures and engaging people who have been through it. And it's just a constant curiosity. It's a constant question. It's a constant movement in the direction of fear rather than in the constant movement retreating from fear. And really, like I've said before, in my opinion, there's only two directions. Move forward, take one step at a time, or stand still slash move backwards. Because if you're standing still, you are moving backwards because you're not doing anything. And entropy takes over at a certain point and the world keeps spinning and people keep going on with their lives with or without you. And so standing still is going backwards. So you can either take one step and then take another step and keep taking that step forward in spite of what comes. Or you can stop and go backwards and let fear drive you. But I kind of like the fact that I walk into fear. Does it scare me? A hundred percent. Is there anxiety and doubt? Every single day. Every single day. And yet, the life that I have received in the present tense that I've gotten from the changes that have happened in my life, especially the last three years, but, you know, broadly, broadly speaking, the last 20 years, yeah, for everything that I did wrong, for everything that I screwed up, for everything that I sabotaged, relationships, jobs, whatever it might be, all of that, and, and for those who I walked through over or hurt on the way to here, I am deeply sorry for that and I ask your forgiveness. And I hope that the changes that have happened to my life have made me the type of person that you can forgive and the type of person that you want to know and the type of person that you look at and say, well, if he can do it, I can do it. If he can change, then I, then I can change. And that's all I hope for is, again, I'm not, I can't teach you anything. All I can do is get you to think. And that's what these are all about. So I hope that helped. Go check out Sean Fagan uh, on social media and he's got his own website and you can find him all over the place, the Muay Thai guy on YouTube. And uh, we'll see you uh, Sunday for a brand new episode, probably on Sebastian Junger's book, Tribe. If you like the podcast, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts, share a link on social media with friends and family and point him in my direction. If there's 
someone or a book or something you'd like to have me read, uh, shoot me a DM on Instagram. That's usually the easiest way to get a hold of me at uh, the Warrior Priest podcast or just the Warrior Priest, my other page. And I'd be happy to check into it for you. So thank you so much. And uh, had a huge bump in downloads and engagements the last month or so. And I really appreciate that. And uh, so, yeah, obviously someone's listening. So I appreciate all of you for tuning in and for all the positive feedback and the encouragement. And uh, all right. See ya. Peace.